When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Boom! What's happening, people? Welcome to another episode of Giants Rush, where we talk Giants football. Yes, 52 weeks of the year, right? So let's lock it in. We've got Spartan Mike doing an appearance today, okay? Which we already know there's something wrong. He got hit in the head somewhere along the line, telling everyone the interview is the wrong day. Have we ever done a show that's not on Monday? So we're not sure what happened with Spartan Mike there. We got Chris is here today, and of course, none other than Pennsylvania's finest, Justin Pugh. Even though his adopted home is is New York, New Jersey, we got him in the house. We're going to cut that up a little bit and see what he's up to. Um, Let's bring in the guys. Um, I see you guys piling in the room. Good to see see you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us for another Monday. Let's get Chris in. Chris, what's up, buddy? Hey, Craig. Hey, everybody. So, Chris, um... So Justin's hanging out with us for a while, okay? Don't ask him any crazy questions. I know you always got that one crazy question, <laughs> and he's going to be like shaking his head, and then later on he's going to be like, what's up with Chris with the crazy questions? So, I have a feeling Justin's going to have a few crazy questions that we're not ready for. Yeah, it's he's, he's a pro at this. <laughs> yeah, he is good. He is very he is very good at you know, net worth with Justin Pugh. If you have not checked out his podcast, I recommend you check it out. I started watching it, and I was like, dude, this cat's really good. How is this guy good at two things? And I'm not good at either one of them. I'm like, I don't understand how some guys just hit the hit the lottery. Let's bring in Spartan Mike. Spartan, what's up? Oh, it's been so long. I mean, Chris, I was just thinking, it's been so long since you and I have been on the podcast together. I was forgetting what you look like. I thought you had oh, a beard. It's probably a good thing. And I'll catch you Sunday because we'll have the draft draft show Sunday with Absolutely. you guys. Absolutely. My apologize awesome. to everybody because uh, Justin already mentioned it. I did forget what day we were doing the podcast because yesterday me and Truth did the draft show. And I completely overlapped in my tweet. The problem is I don't have Twitter blue because I'm not paying for it. And I was like, do I edit it? Do I delete it? I actually just rolled with it. Yeah, I'm and, like, uh, dude. Later. I'm like, you know, 
My poor guy Justin's on the uh, on the West Coast out there trying to coordinate times. You're dropping the whole wrong day. I got the wrong day. I mean, I even had the wrong time, I think, because I dropped the central time, which I do apologize for, but, you know, things are a little uh, – I do have to remember that one because I've definitely yeah. <laughs> definitely blinked that up in the past. So, but, gentlemen, it's good to be back with you, Craig. Chris, it's good to be back as well. No no excuses for you, Spartan Mike. Uh, you got married because <laughs> you got married, and now you're a completely different guy. I don't know who you are anymore. Uh, Chris, turn your microphone down just a tad for me. Um, and let's bring in the man of the hour, the guy that we've all been waiting for. Justin Pugh. What up, Justin? Thanks for having me on, fellas. This was, I mean, the intro to the in, the introductions of everybody. This is as good of a show as I've ever been on. Don't tell Pat Leonard. He's going to get all no, sensitive about it. No, no offense to those guys. They're all good guys, but they just they just want the content. We're trying to, we're, we're fun. We make it fun for people to tune in and like, you know, we'll get, you know, uh, and we had a loyal crew. We have some fun. We put their questions on, on the, on the, uh, on the prompt here. I don't know. Like we have fun. We're good at it. I guess, you know, they'll, uh, they'll hang out with us for about an hour or so. So let's talk football. Right. Um, all right. Let's do this. We're talking about intros. I, I gotta, I gotta start off always the same place. I always start off with your teammates and is you're, you're a, a Holland, Pennsylvania guy. You went to council rock. So you're an East coast guy, right? Um, I, I can't even wrap my arms around the fact that you were just as good as a defensive player as you were an offensive player. So how the heck do you get to the offense? Because I'm looking up like, oh, this cat has got all sorts of awards on the on the defensive side of the ball. Like, you know, how do you make the transition and be like, okay, I'll be a tackle? Nobody wants to be an offensive lineman. Like, let's put that first and foremost. We're just like the defense, when you go out to practice and the defense is walking through like their blitz cards or what they're going to do for the day, they illustrate the offensive lineman with trash cans. So that's that's literally what defenses <laughs> think of us. So take that for granted. So when I'm in when I'm in high school, there's no accolades to play offensive line. We're running a triple option offense at Council Rock South. Shout out Spartan Mike. He grew up right around the corner. That's right. Um, we're giants, guys. Don't get us wrong. We just we just grew up in enemy territory. And uh, so, you know, they put me at middle linebacker. I'm running around. I'm hitting kids. And mind you, I didn't know I was an NFL talent. But as a sophomore, I'm taking out seniors. I'm getting to play defense. I'm playing defensive end. I have a pick six. I get, my, like, I get to be, like, you know, seen without having a holding penalty. Because when you're an offensive lineman, that's the only time your face is on TV yeah. or anyone ever recognizes you. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we, we get through our high school and all of a sudden I'm getting recruited, get offered by Syracuse University. You know, my, the, the, I got to work on the, the arrows here. Get offered by Syracuse. So I'm thinking every school is going to offer me. No one else comes in and offer me. Syracuse is the only place that gave me a scholarship offer. Temple didn't offer me. It was, it was kind of crazy. So when I went there, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go defensive line. I'll probably end up being a D tackle. And my stepdad was like, look. I've seen you. I've seen you run. I've seen you move. You, you might be good against these kids from Bucks County, the suburbs of Philadelphia, but we're we're taking this up a notch. And he's like, he kind of nudged me. He's like, go with the offensive lineman, and uh, the rest is history. I mean, that was that was the best advice I've ever gotten for football. And it was my stepdad, who was an ice hockey coach growing up. Yeah, I saw that your stepbrothers all play ice hockey. Um, we a common theme. Uh, my daughter actually, I think I tweeted it to you or texted you. My daughter plays field hockey at Michigan State in the Big Ten. Spartan Mike, of course, went to the Big Ten. I saw your, I think your stepsister or your sister, one of the two, was a field hockey player too. 
Yeah, man. Hey, I got, I got a lot of friends, a lot of Michigan State friends. Um, so you, you guys definitely have some good things going. Similar to Syracuse, we, the only thing we don't have going is our the weather. We got to survive that. But my sister was, with, yeah, exactly. My my sister was field hockey, lacrosse. Both my brothers played um, hockey growing up. My stepdad was was a hockey coach. My nephew now plays. So awesome. it's definitely an athletic, competitive family. I think that's the 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 key that I took away from like growing up is like everything's a competition from yeah. drying the dishes to taking the trash out, you can mow the lawn, <laughs> like everything. And, and I think that's that. And you guys, you know, uh, Spartan Mike doesn't have kids yet, but that's how kids are. Like having that competitive juice is what kind of makes things, you know, interesting. Justin, well, I, I got a question here. I mean, you know, again. It is such an honor to, to interview you because you're you're from Bucks County. You're from where I'm from. And I remember when you got drafted, I remember seeing your buddy next to you who was disappointed because he was an Eagles fan, right? I think I got that right. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I think of a lot of players from Bucks County football, and unfortunately a lot of the best ones, you know, Central Bucks had some guys in the late 90s. Uh, you know, they go out to college and they, they don't really make something of themselves. And here you are. You went to Syracuse. You're saying that was pretty much your only, only D1 offer. And then you went from that to all of a sudden being a first round pick. What was your journey like to, to getting to that level? Uh, you know, and what would you encourage, you know, what would you recommend to anybody that is in your similar situation at the end of high school as to how to improve to get to that NFL level? Yeah. You know, I think first when you talk about some of the, the players that are from our area, I recently put out a tweet talking about the best player that never made it. And it was a kid that went to Central Buck South, which is a high school in our area. His name's Eric Reynolds. And his brother is Craig Reynolds, a running back for the Detroit Lions. Eric, I think, had some, I think, off-the-field issues where he went to Boston College and he transferred to Temple and never made it. But there are some guys. Like, Eric Reynolds had NFL talent. It might have been at safety or linebacker, but he had, as his yeah. brother clearly, clearly made it and played. Um, you know, the thing that I will say is you never know how good you are until you move up to that next level of competition. Everyone that's a five-star, four-star, you, you kind of have a feeling, and they they play at some of these massive high schools. But there's some guys that go to little high schools. And, and Council Rock, I don't want to say it's small, but I was the first Division One recruit from Council Rock South, the sister school to, to, to North that had been around for a while. So I didn't know if I was any good or not. So it took me getting to college with Doug Marone as my head coach really start implementing some pro style coaching to find out how good I was. And what I will say is every day was just, it was competition. It was a battle. It was go prove that I'm better than this guy. And it was like small, that snowball effect where every day you just get a little bit better because when I got to Syracuse, they gave me the nickname puny because I could only bench 225 five times where freshmen that were coming in, were putting it up 23, up to 30 times. Some of these, I was getting out benched by receivers and all of a sudden, it was like this this, this um, embarrassment that fueled me, that chip on my shoulder. I was too small. The arms were too short. I wasn't this. I wasn't that. And to this day, that's what fuels me every day, to go out there and just compete and say, hey, you may look the part. You need to prove it this play, and then you got to prove it 75 plays from now. Yep. And and for the record, uh, Spartan Mike, first Syracuse lineman drafted in the first round, 2013, wow. right? First one. So just to put it in perspective, I mean, that's a – you know, it's a long curve, right? You know, for, to be the first guy. So it says a lot about. Go ahead, Chris, jump in. No, I was just going to say to Justin, you know, Justin, I remember that night of draft night. The Giants, I guess, were picking 19th and MetLife Stadium. Everybody was there. And the agony of waiting for that pick because, you know, you have small kids with you. You want to get home and it's dragging on and on. You know, I guess it's a good thing you're picking later in the draft. But I can tell you there was a, a nice resounding um um, applause, and everybody went crazy when your name was called at the stadium because uh, 
as you know, can't have enough uh, you know quality offensive linemen, especially tackles. So that's always a memory I'm going to have from draft night when you were when you were picked. No, it was great, and I, I I couldn't have asked for a better situation. I didn't think the Giants were going to draft me. I thought it was going to be Dallas, who had the 18th overall pick. They traded back, and then the Bears had the 20th overall pick, and they worked me out the, the last private workout there. They flew out to Syracuse and worked me out. So I thought there was no way I was going to get past the Bears, and all of a sudden Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin give me a call, and they said, hey, throw out all your Eagles gear, keep the Syracuse stuff, and, and drive on up to East Rutherford, and I never looked back. Well, let's 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 go back to there just for a quick second. Two points that we need to make. One is you played in the Senior Bowl, right? So, like, you know, it's always a debate. Do you play in the Senior Bowl? Do, do you not? Does it help you? What was your experience playing in the Senior Bowl? Did you think that helped, you know, your your uh, your value, or you thought, you know, it was just another game? At the end of the day, I mean, in my draft, there wasn't that quarterback that was going to go one overall. There wasn't a defensive end that was like this you can't miss guy, like a Miles Garrett. Um, so I knew that every chance I had to put myself up against the guys from Alabama, from Oklahoma, from Texas to show that I can compete at that level was good for me. And I, you know, I went into it with a plan at the senior bowl. I went into it with a plan that I was going to fight somebody at the first day of practice and it ended up being Brandon Williams, a nose guard from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and he's a massive dude. And I just decided like the first run play, I was going to punch him in the face and we were going to go at it. And I think going into it with like a strategic plan as like, Hey, I'm going to go show these coaches that like, this is how I'm going to be. And throughout my whole career, it's always been getting in fights, being a little, being, being a little bit of a net. I'm not the biggest, I'm not the strongest, but not a lot of guys want to go into that deep water and continue to fight. And that was my chance to prove it. Um, if you were, you know, the, the consensus number one overall pick, maybe it doesn't make sense, but if you were the, you know, fringe first round, maybe second round, 100% it's worth it to go. Get you reps in front of pro coaches and, and kind of show them the man you are, and that helps to, to improve draft stock. All right, second point of that is you play at Syracuse and then get drafted by the Giants. You're kind of a household name with Coughlin, right? I mean, you're, you know, like, so was there any type of, uh, I don't want to say shift, but any difference in playing for, Coughlin College or Coughlin Pros? I mean, is there any difference or he's the same guy all the time? Well, we had Doug Marone when I was at Syracuse, but when Coughlin, just being a former alumni, I had Doug Marone who ran a very tight ship like Coughlin ran when I got to New York. So, and Doug Marone played under Dick McPherson. Dick McPherson came from that same long lineage of, because Coughlin was in, I don't want to date coach, but I it think was, no, it was early. Yeah. 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 Coughlin was there like right after they won the national championship, which was 1959. So um, Doug Marone ran a very tight ship from the fact that like you had to have certain socks on that were team issued. You had to be not, you didn't have to be early, but you couldn't be later. You were going to be rolling at 5.00 AM the next morning. Um, we had class checkers that were checking us. I think if you guys saw that documentary with Urban Meyer when he came to Florida and kind of turned that program around, yeah, I'm not saying that Syracuse had the same talent to turn around and win national championships like Florida and SEC school, but Doug Marone had like 30 some odd guys quit the program, leave. My recruiting class, we had 20 some guys, and only three of them he kept their scholarships. He didn't say that you weren't going to, he basically didn't rescind them. But he went and said, hey, you're never going to play at Syracuse. You could come here, but you're going to be riding the bench. So all those kids decommitted. And that first year of football, I remember calling my mom crying. Like, I'm not built for, you know, I'm not built for college football. This is that business that takes that jump. I think the 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 jump for me from high school to college was bigger than college to, to professional. Interesting. And especially the fact that, like you said, um, you didn't know how good you were. 
right? So at, 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 as you played at Syracuse, you're like, all right, I can hang once you got that under your belt. But that jump from high school to college was huge because you said you didn't even know how good you were at that point. It's crazy. I mean, you're 17, 18 years old. There's some kids that are 23. I mean, look at an NCA right now. You look at college football. Yeah, and you crazy. got 27 year old guys out there because they've had the COVID waiver years and now guys are making money. So they're deciding to stay even later. So it's getting the, the landscape of college football is a whole nother topic. But uh, it was definitely yeah. a rude awakening. Yeah. We'll cover that another day because that's yeah. that's a deep one. Um now I was reading too, UConn Temple, Akron Pitt. Uh, uh, Villanova, uh, New Hampshire making a late push for you, but Syracuse was the one who started the process with you. You were a loyal guy, stayed with them. Um, had you been to New York up to that point? I mean, again, I know the city I'm talking about. I mean, I know, you know, you're not that far away at Syracuse, but I'm assuming you guys just don't cruise into the city on a weekend. So like when you get drafted and you show up, is it overwhelming or is it another day at the office? So there's always like when you think of New York City, like I still get goosebumps like that. New York City to me is like it's everything. It really is. And, and obviously, I'm not just talking about because I played there. But when I'm, even growing up, my buddies and I would take the, the train from Trenton, New Jersey up to New York. Yeah. And we would walk from Penn Station up to Times Square and back. We would stop at Foot Locker. We would go to, you know, try to get the knockoff shoes if we could get down to Canal Street. And then when you go to Syracuse University, we were New York's college team, even though we were four hours away. And my yeah. roommate was from Paramus, New Jersey. He's a New York guy through and through. And he would always tell me how great New York City was and how great, even more so how great North New Jersey is. And I would always tell him how Philadelphia was better and all these different things. He started <laughs> he started taking me down there. We would go to his brother's apartment in Hoboken. We would go party in, in, in Hoboken and go to the bars. At Syracuse, we got to play at MetLife Stadium. We got to play at Yankee Stadium in two bowl games. And through my time at Syracuse, I started like begrudgingly telling him, New York City, there's no other city in the world like it. And I always was trying to like try to push Philadelphia. And I still love Philadelphia. I love where I'm from. But New York City is on a whole nother level in terms of like the world. There's no other city yeah. in the world like New York. And when you get called in 19th overall and Jerry Reese calls you and tells you you're going to come to the New York Giants and the love that I receive from the greatest city in the world. There's no drug. There's no any experience otherwise that could replace it. And the next day, Syracuse lacrosse is playing at MetLife Stadium, and I show up wearing Giants blue, yeah. and the place goes nuts for me. Like, I get goosebumps thinking about it. There's a reason why I came back this year. There's a reason why I wanted to be a part of the team this year when I could have walked away or retired or, quite frankly, signed with a team that was 6-0 and and not 1-5 and at the time. And – that just is, is what New York means to me. And then going there and playing, again, took it up even another notch. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Love That's hearing that. Love hearing that. Craig, was that not the most passionate answer we've ever gotten to the whole New York question? I mean, we ask everybody the same thing. I've gotten some. I've gotten some good ones. You know, over the years, I'm trying to think. Got some uh, funny think, ones, right? Where it's like, well, I thought, you know, I thought. How many Pixins one might have been the best? Like, you know, I, I, I you could have ran for mayor with what you just said oh, here, Justin. Yeah, Spartan. I think Dominic Hickson told <laughs> told the the cab driver when he got off the plane he was only coming from Ohio and he had never been to New York. But remember, he said he he got in the cab and he said he said take me to New York and he said I'm sorry to tell you, son, the Giants play in New Jersey and he yeah. was like, what? He's like, I'm going to Jersey. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, the Jersey's playing. The Giants <laughs> played in Jersey, and he was like, oh. He's like, I I should have done my research ahead of time. I was great. Great yeah. story. Well, if anything, I'm the I'm the opposite of Hickson because I knew everything about it, and and I knew it from a almost a hater's perspective because I was a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I went to yep. MetLife and saw mm. the Eagles come back with that Deshaun Watson punt return, and I was on the. Oh, on the wrong why side. you gotta go there? No, 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 but you have to hear me out because you guys – no, no, no. You guys can put your hands in your head. I grew up an Eagles fan when they lost every NFC championship. They never had won a single thing. The Giants won all the Super Bowls in yeah. 07 and 11. Yeah. I was an Eagles fan. I become a Giant player, and now I bleed blue, and I'm putting my heart and soul into this. And I got to witness what's gone on in Philadelphia the last decade since I switched sides. Now they went on and won some Super Bowls. So the only thing that I want in my life is for this Giants team – and hopefully I'm going to be a part of it to go win a freaking Super Bowl because I'm the only one on both sides of this fan base that has never gotten a championship ring. <laughs> that is hysterical. Yeah. I'm not laughing at you, but that is, that is a really good point. Yeah, that's a really, a really. I was good on the point. wrong side of the coin on both sides. Maybe it, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. No. Yeah, you're right. You flip the coin two years after the Giants win the last Super Bowl and four years well, before the Eagles win their first. Right? Yeah. No, I got you. Well. I guess the big change for you too, which is which we want to know about, is when Coughlin's gone, when gets let go, McAdoo steps in. I would assume the offense completely changed. What's that like? Coughlin's your guy, Syracuse guy, right? Drafts you. That's my coach, right? And then he gets let go, and a legend, right? And a legend, you know. And then McAdoo steps in, probably a great guy, but it didn't work out. But my question to you is like. Was it one of those scenarios where you were like, "Hey, we're doing things different around here," uh, and they in the because I'm assuming it was a little bit different style of offense? Because I remember the first thing he talked about was getting Eli to get the ball out of his hand faster. Like that was like his big thing. You know, let's take it from three seconds to two and a half seconds. So, what was that like? Yeah, obviously when I came in, it was it was Kevin Gilbride as the offensive coordinator. Pat Flaherty was the offensive line coach, and. Kevin Gilbride got let go after my first year. And that's when we brought Ben McAdoo in under Tom Coughlin. So Ben yep. McAdoo had his first year as offensive coordinator. And we actually had a, a much better year offensively that next year. And going into that offseason, Ben McAdoo was a hot name in the coaching carousel. And they thought that Philadelphia was going to hire Ben McAdoo away from the Giants. And that's where there was yep. this shifting of – Coach Coughlin is kind of getting towards the end. He's this legend. And I'm just sitting there as a rookie. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Whoever's the coach, you're just going to do whatever there's whatever said. And that's where that whole Coughlin stepping down, 
McAdoo taking over. So the offense stayed exactly the same from the year pre- previously. It was, the biggest transition was when McAdoo came in initially and brought in that Green Bay style of offense, which is West Coast. Yep. If you guys watch, if, if you watch any of the Cowboys games this year, they talked about how Dak was hitting, hitting his back foot and the ball was coming out and obviously it didn't work out too well for him. But that's, that's another thing that we can all be happy about here on the show. But um, I love Coach McAdoo. I love Coach Coughlin. I think Coach McAdoo made the one mistake that I've learned throughout my career that you can't make, and that's to mess with NFL royalty. When you have Eli Manning, when you have Derek Jeter, when you have Mark Messier, when you have six million people that are love one guy unconditionally, don't mess with that guy. <laughs> don't yeah. mess with that guy whatsoever. So what I will say, I actually didn't hate the transition. I went from Coughlin, who I love, to McAdoo, who I also love. And I think McAdoo did a great job. He that last year, the locker room turn when Eli got benched and things started going bad. We had guys getting injured. That's really when things started to to take a downfall. Downfall. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Jump in. No, I, 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 we're going in order here, right? Or can I jump into th- this past jump year? In, what are we doing, Chris? Dude, so guess what? You do what you want. All right, good. So, Justin, I don't want to put you on the spot, but this has been the big question throughout this uh, season, the past season. And obviously you came in, you know, halfway through. In terms of the principles and the philosophy of, of teaching the offensive line as a coach, not mentioning any names, do you – and this could be a yes or no. Do you feel like the teaching aspect – because this is something the Giants offensive line has been going through since you left the first time. Do you feel like the teaching – was at a level I don't want to say acceptable, but where where things where where the where the there was improvement on a, on a on a weekly basis, or do you feel like there could have been more done with the the type of players that that were on the uh, roster on the offensive line? Yeah, I think when you look at offensive line, there it's such a nuanced position. And I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna beat around the bush and give you guys some bullshit answer. Everybody can coach. Everyone knows the X's and O's. Bobby Johnson was giving us the same techniques that I've been doing for 10 plus years. There's no one that's gonna come in and give you this like it's like a golf swing. There's no way you're gonna give me this new tip that all of a sudden I'm gonna hit the ball. You can either play offensive line or you can't. There are certain things that go into offensive line play that I think that people overlook at times, and that's continuity. That's keeping the same guys playing next to each other, being able to communicate. Because I'll tell you this, Dayball's offense is not, like, terminology-wise, it's a very difficult offense. And that's a pro and a con. Once you get it and you're ingrained with it, look what they're doing in Buffalo with that offense. It's unbelievable. But if you have injuries and you have guys going down and communication is shifting, it's hard to have a guy come off the couch and step into a game and play. And that's the one thing that I think bit the Giants in the ass this year. Daniel Jones going down, who ran the offense flawlessly, and everyone wants to get mm-hmm. it on me for backing DJ. I think that's crazy to give up on a guy after eight games. And then you have Evan Neal going down. Then you have Andrew Thomas going down. Then you have the center going down, John Michael Schmidt. Like, there were so many injuries across the board. They had to start a guy that was sitting on a couch four days pro- previously. And that's something that, I think would would rock any offensive line. The thing about playing offensive line in New York is the pressure that comes with it. The the beauty, the reason I got goosebumps is because when you do things well in New York City, it is the best feeling on planet Earth. When you don't, you have 6 million people that want to take you out. And that's something that I had to learn to deal with. And I think that pressure is something that that definitely gets to guys and guys don't want to say it does and all these different things. But I think that there should be a philosophy with the New York Giants. They should redshirt drafted picks. You draft Evan Neal, you redshirt him for a year, you let him learn. I was thrown into the fire, and I didn't play well as a rookie either. I battled. I went out there and just just fought my ass off. But I switched positions from left tackle to right tackle, and I think it definitely 
tested my confidence. I came out the other side of it, but there was a, there was a point in my career where it was like, is Justin Pugh going to be able to make it? All right, let's move him to left guard. And I ended up finding my place and, and having a good career from there on in. But that's the one thing that I would say, and I've told this to Joe Shane, I've told this to Coach Dayball, is give these guys a chance to work with each other. I don't like moving guys out of their natural position um, and, and keep that continuity. So like, if you ever, I can, a follow-up question would be like, who, who do we bring in next? If you guys want to hop into that, we can. But if you yep. have any other questions, we can. Well, you know what, Justin, to your point, and I think a lot of Giant fans like myself see from the outside looking in, when you see a guy like Tyree Phillips go to Philadelphia for a month, come back and actually play better than when he left, yeah. and, then, and then you see Will Hernandez – who got a lot of heat when he was with the Giants, and he actually flourished, your teammate, over in Arizona. So that makes Giant fans question what's going on, you know? Feliciano's another one. He went to San Francisco. Feliciano. So there are some some schemes. It's just head scratchers. Yeah, there are some schemes that are more O-line friendly than others. So there are other schemes out there. Like when I was in Arizona, we had this guy, Kyler Murray. He's We call him the Magic Eraser. So I may get beat on a play, but it's not going to show up on the stat sheet and PFF's not going to see it because Kyler Murray got out of there or you run the ball more effectively. So there were certain things like, obviously, if you're playing drop back and, and you're sitting back there and passing it, you're going to see some of those, those technique errors. San Francisco, Miami, teams that run the Shanahan-style zone scheme are the best teams for an offensive lineman to be in. You're, you're running outside zone, outside zone, outside zone, play action. You rarely are dropping back. And if you're dropping back, they're losing the game. You can see what happens when they play the Ravens and they got down. You, I mean, they, they, did, they did come back in the playoffs, so I have to give them credit. Um, but I will say that the pressure is not as intense in any of those places as it mm-hmm. is in a place like New York, um, Philadelphia, Boston with New England. I, th- I just think there's an added pressure there, and you got to learn to play in New York. That's why the draft process and knowing the type of – human being you're drafted is as important as the skill on the field. How about 2018? Did you want to come back? Yeah, hundred percent. Or, or was, or was that, Hey man, this is a great opportunity to make some, some money for me and my family. And, or was it like, Hey, you know, you're trying to get back to, to, to the giants. Me and Jerry Reese had a deal in place. If, if, so the whole McAdoo, Jerry Reese, benching Eli Manning dilemma, and that had a cascading effect. Jerry Reese got fired. Me and Jerry were working on a deal. He told me we were going to get that deal done. I had always been like a Swiss Army knife. If if we were playing Von Miller on Sunday Night Football in 2018, my last game that with the Giants that year, I move out to right tackle on like a week's notice and go against Von Miller. I actually ended up getting the game ball in that game. It was our first win of the season. We were like two and eight at the time, so it was meaningless. But like yeah. the coaches were like, hey, Justin, we appreciate what you did. And Jerry Reese even told me after that game, like, we're going to get your deal done. I know you're dealing with a back injury. We're, we're drafting second in the draft. And then when Jerry Reese gets fired, all those promises are out the window. Yeah. And it was the best thing that ever could have happened to me because it exposed me to the business of football. I always thought I'd be Chris Knee. I'd be David Deal. I, I never would have left. I'd be a giant for life. But, uh, you know, I had, to, I had to experience free agency in the draft and coming out to Arizona changed who I am as a man, as a player. And it brought me back as a better player last year. What's the call like? Do uh, Are you at home like uh... – kicking back, you know, just doing your thing and your cell phone calls and it's uh and it's Joe Shane. Like how's that go down? Yeah, I mean, I think there was a little bit of the power of social media, the power of interacting with the fan base, the power of having guys like you. I've heard you say it on your podcast. Because I I like I said I I mentioned it before, you know, uh net worth with Justin Pugh. I listen and you're like, hey, if I can come back to the Giants, I'd love to be there. You know what I mean? Like and you've you've always been pro New York, pro New York Giants pro franchise you always talk really well about the building and the people in the building so like 
um, like you said, the, the social media part of it, again, uh, promoting the fact that you would be open to that, I have to think, jump-started some conversations. Yeah, and the, and the financial part of it. I mean, I went to Joe Shane and I said, you don't have to, you don't have to guarantee me a dime. I'll come and I'll be on the practice squad and I'll go out there and I'll go against Dexter Lawrence. I'll go against Leonard Williams. I'll go against Kayvon Thibodeau and I'll show you that I can play at a high level. And I got one practice under my belt and he activated me just like I told him he was going to. I'm wow. Like, and, and that was, that was literally, I, I got a, I was on, I was on the practice squad with Tommy DeVito as my quarterback, a little foreshadowing. The next day they're signing me to the active roster. But I told Joe Shane, I said, I'm going to be straight up with you. You be straight up with me. I'm coming here to become your starting left guard. I'm not coming to play right tackle. I'm not. I, we've already tried that experience. I'm 33 years old. I'm playing a position I'm most comfortable in. I'm coming off an ACL. You're not comfortable with where my health's at. I will prove to you that I'm healthy. I need time to get acclimated. But I'm telling you this. When I go out there and prove that I'm one of the best five offensive linemen you have on your roster, I'm not taking a minimum salary deal. You're not going to give me a prorated deal. I have offers for that already with teams that are undefeated at the time. Like I'm looking at Dallas, Philadelphia or teams that have reached out to me, but I never, I knew in my heart, I could never go there. I could never yeah. like, I'm going to go to Philadelphia and make what kind of difference I'm going to sit behind Kelsey Lane Johnson and like, just say, Hey, here's your, here's your, here's your Gatorade, sir. Like what am I going to do there? I come to New York. I can actually help make a difference. And I told him that I would do that. I'm going to help interact with the media, take the spotlight off of other guys. Cause I'll be, they'll come to me cause I've talked to all those guys for years I'll come in there and be a, a stabilizing mentor in the room, start doing things that we did in New York that help guys like Will Hernandez, I think, like just being a brotherhood. We go and do activities together. We do dinners together. And they were already doing those, but I I, I push them and I push them in the room. I push – I almost push off the field unity more than I push on the field. Like if you love the guy next to you and you know his kids' names, you know his daughter went to Michigan State and she plays field hockey and she's a big uh, – I don't know. What's, the, what's the, the music groups that are at right now? Like uh, – Bruno Mars, then you then you, you you start to love that guy next to you. You work harder. You you do above and beyond. It's not the required from the team, and that's what the Giants have to get back to. Justin, I, think, I mean, it sounds like you, you didn't really come here just to play. You came here to be a, a leader with everything that you're saying, with the communication that you have with Joe Shane, uh, and 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 everything like that, and you know the the vision that you have for the organization, right? So I would imagine. And, I told and you I haven't. I, I've been on the wrong side of all of these 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 organizations <laughs> the last few years. I need the Giants to win a Super Bowl. I need to feel like I was helping build that foundation. And hopefully, what I was able to do last year and what those guys will take. Like I look at John Michael Schmidt, who's a rookie now, and me and him have become really good friends. I'm hopeful that he'll take some of the things that we started last year, and he continues to do those things into the future. Just like stupid things, like we get bagels for the entire offense on Fridays from this place in in Hoboken, O Bagel, which is awesome. And, and Dayball loves his bagel every Friday morning. And that's something that we can all talk about other than football that gets us, you know, in, in the mood. It allows us to enjoy being around each other. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that's totally. Awesome. From a continuity standpoint, you know, you guys are more than football players. You're, you're a family. And that's the, that's the most important piece of this. And, and I, I never would have told you that when I first got here, when I first got to New York and you had Chris Snee and David Deal, Kevin Booth, all those guys are married with families. And I'm this young kid, just got drafted. I wanted to go out and party. I wanted to go be a single guy in New York City and live it up. And uh, I learned quickly how much goes into it. And, and those vets, they taught me those things. And I am trying to carry those on today. That's awesome. So I got to throw this up on a screen. Uh, Darius, one. I mean, and by the way, uh, there's a ton of you guys. I can't name all you guys, but uh, G Men, Thompson, Sean, Chris, Bill, Darius, another Bill, 
uh, open mind freestyle. That, that, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, K Mac. I see all you guys, you know, rolling in here. I see Neil. I see, uh, oh, I don't even know if I can pronounce that one. D Illin, D Illin, NYG. All right. I see all you guys piling. You're asking a ton of questions. Hang on a minute. So Anthony Deanna, oh, my, my good friend who is by my way, my chef at our tailgate, give him a, a shout out for Michelle's catering. Um, a leader in the locker room. I'm going to throw this up on screen for my boy here because Spartan, you and I talked about this before, right? Yeah. That like, we just felt like there was no leaders in the room. And not just us, by the way, Carl Banks was saying that uh, yes. a couple years ago, right? Yep. That the team didn't have a vocal leader. They were lacking that, that guy. And like within like 48 hours, Justin's in the locker room sticking up for somebody who had a bad day. I can't remember who it was. Who someone had a really bad day, and you were and and Justin stepped right in there, and all of a sudden you were like, "Wow, maybe this is what we've been missing is just somebody that's been here before or done this, you know, at an earlier date and has the experience." Because where I'm alluding to is Darius wants to know about Evan Neal. As a fan base, we were super excited, just like we were excited when you got drafted. Here's this big cat from from Bama that's just going to destroy guys, and he has struggled. And to, to Spartan's original point, and Chris too, just, you know, we know he knows how to play. Is it the continuity where the guy next to him is different all the time, where he's coming back from injury? Do you have any insight on how to turn him on? Yeah, obviously, Evan. Evan has had – it's been up and down. You know, he's had his issues back and forth with the fan base. And I think it's him, obviously, when you're drafted. Evan Neal and me coming out. Evan Neal is a freaking monster, five-star, number one player, Alabama. I was this kid from Syracuse. I had a lot, I had a chip on my shoulder trying to prove something. And so Evan Neal, when he walks off the bus, you're like, all right, that dude was meant to play football in the NFL. Like me, you're like, all right, let's see what he can do first, and, and then we'll, we'll judge. With Evan, I think he would have benefited immensely from redshirting for a year. Yeah. Like getting a year under his belt to learn how New York system works. Look – Everyone forgets Andrew Thomas struggled when he first got to the New York yep. Giants, and now he's the best left tackle in football. So my whole thing is we cannot give up on Evan Neer. He, his, his foot injury last year was probably a little more than anyone even realized. It was a fracture in there that was tough to see. So I would love to see Evan come back in the best shape that he's ever been in, and I think you work him at right tackle and left guard. Look, at this point, there's jobs in the line. Joe Shane, Dayball know that they're, they're now – you know, go from coach of the year to now being on the hot seat. So they know that they have to go out there and make moves. So you can't have not have a backup contingency plan at right tackle. Evan Neal will start off training camp at right tackle. He was drafted to do it. And if they're, for whatever reason, it's not working out, I think you kick him into left guard. That's okay. what I did, and it changed my career. Evan's massive. I know people have talked about things happening quicker on the inside. Things can happen as quick as you want them to happen. You still have to run through Evan Neal's chest to get to a quarterback. So as long as he's set, set square and all the, and, and does what he's supposed to do in terms of knowing the playbook and knowing where he has to be, when he has to be, I have the utmost confidence that he can go in there. I will give you the prime example of a guy that everyone gave up on and didn't want to see in New York, Eric Flowers. He went on to play really good guard for the Miami Dolphins and the, the commanders now. Yep. I think um, I'm not comparing the two personality-wise or play-wise, anything like that. But if if you're struggling on the outside, the next move is to move you into guard. It's a, it's a little bit more physical at guard. There's a little more that's happening a little bit quicker. But Evan can handle all that from a mental standpoint. But you have to go out and make sure you have someone that's played on the right side. I think moving, moving Evan back to his natural left side would help him as well for confidence. 
Justin, real, it, real quick. I mean, the and I'm sorry, Chris. This is no, just a quick one, but it, the the transition from tackle to guard. I I mean, I the, the one thing is, you know, what what was it like for you having to learn how to do the the pulling moves and whatnot? Because it's a completely different dynamic, you know, in those terms. And I feel like, I mean, the the footwork there is a lot different at tackle, and uh, you know, you had to do it. So, like, what was it like transitioning? Yeah, I always go back and forth and say which one's harder. Physically, guards much harder. You're in a car crash every single play. Um, and when I say physically, like the the impacts are, are much more intense. Left tackle is, and right tackle are the hardest positions for one reason and one reason only, third down. You're paid to block a dude that's from Mars on third down. You're, pay, you're paid to block Miles Garrett, to block Micah Parsons. And I had to go out there this year and see those guys, and I'm like, all right, this is why left tackles are making so much damn money. Yeah. And so – from a standpoint of like offensive line, it's a lot of the similar footwork. It's just on third down. You need to, you need to play basketball. You're playing one-on-one defense and you're out there in space and you're going to get called for more holdings and you're going to have all sorts of different things. So I think those are the biggest differences, but I'll tell you this, when I was coming out of college, I would have rather played left tackle in the NFL or left guard before playing right tackle. Mm -hmm. Like if you would have asked me my top choices in terms of, I didn't, you're not going to tell teams don't draft me and don't take me 19th overall. I'll go play wherever you want me. It's like the Cardinals. The Cardinals paid me in free agency and put me at right guard, but that was probably the the fourth my my fourth choice on the offensive line. Sure. And and this is how I describe switching sides. Switching tackle to guard, as long as you're in the same stance, not as big of a deal. Switching sides is like wiping your ass with the other hand. Go so whatever hand you typically use, and that's a personal question. I don't need anyone to tell me. Switch it up today. Take first. Switch it up today. Wipe with the other hand. It's going to be a little messy. You're going to get the job done, but you're going to be a little anxious about going and wiping your ass the next time because you're like, oh, I'm going to get a little shit on my hand, and now I'm going to have to tell my wife what just happened. And that's what it is when you switch, switch sides <laughs> in the NFL if, you, if you're not used to it and haven't done it before. I got to tell you, hands down, best analogy ever. Yeah. Ever. I have, I have heard tons of – Tons of things over the last couple of years doing this. That's a first right there. You know what the best part is, Craig? Like, that did give us the visual, like, yeah, I, yeah, I see how that would be a little That's odd. That's so funny. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. Man, hey. maybe I shouldn't be so hard on these guys every week now. No, be hard on them. But as a GM, don't put that guy in that position. That is my that is my whole thing. If, if a guy tells you, hey, like, I'm really good at wiping my ass with my right hand, don't expect him to come in with his left and be and be great. And as a fan base, be critical. Be critical of everyone involved in the situation. But at the same time, this is why I would love to tell teams and I, and I, in this draft right now, if a guy hasn't played right tackle, to draft him top five and put that pressure on him and move him to a position he hasn't played and put him in New York and ask him to block Micah Parsons is not an easy task to do. Yeah, there ain't no doubt. Well, I mean, I don't think a lot of people don't like blocking Micah Parsons, right? It's not just Evan Neal. Um so let's and, talk about and Craig real quick. The funny oh, thing, and Justin, maybe you'll back me up. I mean, with Parsons, they move him all over anyway. So you know they're going to put him over the the right tackle a, a lot of times. It may not just be over the left tackle with Andrew Thomas. They're going to they're going to find you know they're going to find the next uh, I won't say weakness, but they're going to they're going to put him somewhere else to have a bigger advantage, right? They're looking for the fish, and I'll I'll give you a big example. This is my own example from this last year. We have a chance to make the playoffs. We're playing the Saints. And we go out and play the Saints, and we play an awful game. We don't run the ball well. They're dropping eight, nine guys in the box. They found a stunt that worked against me, JMS, and Andrew Thomas that kept getting us. And they kept oh, coming back. We saw it. 
They kept, yeah, exactly. They kept coming back to us and me and JMS on the sidelines like, hey, I need to do more of this. You need to do more of that. And we need to pick this goddamn stunt up or else we're mm-hmm. going to, sorry, I, I don't want to curse, but like I had to own up to it. Like I, I played my part and like I had to get more vertical when they're running these, they put three defensive linemen to a side and they run these pick games. So you can't set out there and try to like shut a guy off. Everyone has to get back and let it unfold. And we weren't on the same page. So it looks on tape like these guys have no idea what they're doing, but it's like, they ran that pick later on in the season. We picked it up flawlessly because I had to figure out how JMS saw it, how AT saw it, and how I had to see it to make sure we were all on the same page. And a loss is a game. And that's one of the reasons why you have to have that continuity. I said the same thing about when you go out first week, you're not there yet. Giants get their doors blown off by Dallas. You've now have, you have something on tape. Now everybody's, you know, copycat league. Let's do what they do. So if they pick up the fact that you can't pick up the twist or you can't pick up the stunt, Everyone down the line is going to start putting that in the game plan because they're like, hey, you know what? This guy doesn't move as smoothly as he should. We have an advantage here. Or maybe, hey, they're not blocking the A-gap. We're going to send the backer through the A-gap every time because that's what's on tape. And when you put it on tape, there's no way around it. Everybody's gotten a tablet and everybody's looking right here. Here it is right in front of us every week. So it's hard to, uh, I don't want to say put a Band-Aid on it, but it's hard to correct it when you only have so many hours in the week to, to game plan and correct it, right? And then you're plugging in a new left tackle, a new left guard, a new center, a new right guard. Now you're trying to communicate. And I still don't even know the playbook or the snap count. I'm still learning that when we go out to Buffalo. I'm like, hey, Mark Lewinsky, what, what even is the snap count? Like hmm. even silent cadence, like and the manner in which the center brings his head up affects how the tackle sets. And, you know, those types of things is what is what hurt the, the, the Giants. And I think – them not having a leader for the or not leader, a veteran in the locker room. Because Andrew Thomas is a leader. He leads by the way he prepares. He leads by his knowledge. He leads yep. by communication. Eli was the same way. Eli was not a rah-rah guy either. So like I'm not I, by no means trying to take any shots there. Um, but having a guy like that to, to come in and, and be that veteran in the room and be outspoken veteran. John Feliciano was that the year before. Nick Gates was that the year before. Jonathan Michael Schmitz is coming into his own. Ben Bredesen is a thing, a guy that they need to bring back. Andrew Thomas is always going to be there, but you need to have that asshole in the room. And I think Joe Shane will never make that uh, mistake again. Yeah, you know, Justin, you you brought up a good point about the veteran leadership. In the last five years, the Giants have been the youngest team in the NFL, or one of them at least. And a lot of fans like that because it's like, you know, we got a lot of guys that could be up and coming and a lot of potential, right? But I, I did always worry about that just a little bit, and I never had like any confirmation of it until you just said it, uh, that that I did want some veterans in the locker room that brought that leadership. And you hear, you know, just through your voice how critical that is. Yeah, 100%. I think when you say the word potential, I just think of people getting fired. Like I've I play with so many guys with potential. And just because you're young, just because you have – the potential to be good and you were good at Syracuse university doesn't mean you're going to be good in the NFL. And that's, I'm, that's why I'm super interested. I, I changed my perspective on how I would build an NFL team. I'm having this guy, Eric eager on my podcast next week, talking about that specifically. Is it worth it to trade a number six overall pick and go get a guy like Justin Jefferson? Is it worth it to trade a pick in the early second round and go get a guy like Josh Allen and then manipulate the contracts and push it out because you have extra cap space to get proven talent. Everyone covets these draft picks. I'm starting to think like maybe there's a little bit of uh, balance to the both of them. Well, yeah, especially when you look at the percentages of who makes it and who doesn't just from a, from a business standpoint, right? You know, your first round pick, you've got 
48% chance of making it. But once you get into second and the third round, you know, the percentage is going down so small and you're banking on these guys making it. Does it make sense to just say, you know what, I'm wrapping a, th I'm wrapping a two and a four and I'm going to go bring in, I'm going to go get that other guy. Kind of like what's going on with the portal right now. And I know that's a, a story for another day, but it's true. Do I want to bring in an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid who has a lot to learn about playing college football, or do I pluck that 50-year guy off of UCLA who's already got three years of starting under his belt and is going to go get me 12 sacks? Like, So you start weighing your options, right, as you just alluded to. like, And maybe I trade for a guy because it instantly upgrades the roster, creates confidence in the locker room. That's what we were saying that Spartan and I were talking about it. Just like and, – and look – we're fans. We're super glad that you're here, right? And we're hoping that Joe brings you back. But the moment you stepped in love, we're like, oh, okay, at least there's that now. Like there's someone, There's we like to say, there's an adult in the room, right? And sometimes you just need that, right? Like when you start looking at these, uh, the receiving room, the running back room, we need Saquon Barkley. You need that guy in the room. If you, sh and what fans don't get because they're, you know, they got too much dopamine, you know, with the instant gratification here. They want everything now. If you wipe the, the slate clean and start all over, you don't have leaders, you don't have continuity, and you're starting all over again. There's got to be some type of uh, thread to hold all these positions together. So, you know, to your point is it's, it's going to be an interesting play for the Giants. Where do you go from here, Justin? Um, I'm sure you got some good relationships in the building. You've already alluded to the fact that you want to come back. Uh, how do we how do we pound the table for you to bring you back? You know, Look, are you yeah. healthy? Yeah. So finally, I'm healthy too. That was one thing. Coming off ACL, I was out there every week, yeah. just like doing whatever I could do to get on the field. And because I wasn't able to train a full offseason, my strength and my my weight wasn't where it needed to be. You can see me when we wore those all white jerseys. It's like. This is the guy that we. This is our best shot right now at left tackle. Like, <laughs> like, and I, and I, I, I understand where I'm coming from because I was joking around with guys out there. I'm like, dude, I'm still playing left tackle. Like three weeks after the, I get filling in in the Bills game, but like the games after that, subsequently, I'm like, but it goes back to like the ability to to adapt to to fight through it. I wanted to prove I could stay healthy. One of the things that I was always knocked on was not being able to play. Uh, you know, play an entire season. So as a 33-year-old to step in, coming off ACL and play every game, I missed one practice this last year. It, it did something for me um, from a mental standpoint. Like I felt like I, I've, I've written the last chapter with me and the New York Giants, if, if, if so. And I don't think the Giants necessarily need me back. They need a guy like me. I would love for them to go back out and get John Feliciano, who's been there before. Now, I think John's price has gone up a little bit. Um, but there are some options out there. there you know, there's a, a guy from the, the Patriots. I, I say all that to say they don't need me. The Giants are always going to go on. The Giants don't need any of us. They don't need, they don't need John Mara because the, the, the team will be here whether the owner's there or not. It, they don't need the GM. They don't need the head coach. They certainly don't need a 34-year-old guard to come in. So I think that I look at it from a very business mindset. I think what I bring to the table makes the team better. Um, if we can come to an agreement in terms of dollars or if it's, again, we wait into the season or if I went on and just was around during the games and I was part of the, you know, director of, of player engagement like like Ashley Lynn is now. And I, I, I filled some kind of role. No matter what happens, I want to see the Giants win. I'm a fan first. And, and yeah. now I'm a, I guess I'm still a player, but I'm a fan. It's starting to mold the lines of which one is, is going to take over because eventually yeah. I know I can't play anymore. So I'm, I want to see the Giants win as much as you guys do. 
And uh, whether that's me being a part of it or, or helping any way I can, maybe it's on the business side. Maybe I become like the chief networking officer and I go out and help build relationships and uh, with, with season ticket holders. And I go out and to the grip, to the, to the tailgate with you guys and just have a few beers, crush some ribs yeah. and just increase fan uh, morale. Yeah, listen, for the record, if that happens, I will pay you as a, for a personality fee. I, I will pay you to hang out because that, Cause like you know, I'll pay you for your time. I don't have a problem with that. Well, have to, that's another conversation for another day. Cause we we definitely need to make sure. Listen, for me, you're healthy. Let's say they even draft a guy like BB in the second round, right? Again, I just Chris, you and I have talked about this numerous times, right? Mm -hmm. If you bring in too much youth and there's no one there to teach these guys how to how to be on and off the field, like you're missing something. And I think what, you nailed it before, Craig. That veteran leadership that Justin brings, you know, to the table. You saw immediate change, you know, once he came on board. 100%. And, and just at the combine, Justin, you were listed at three eleven when you were drafted. What was your weight coming off the couch for that Buffalo game at that Guys, point? I was anywhere from two hundred eight. I was probably two seventy eight all the way up to two ninety at towards the end of the year. But when you put on weight like that, it's not good weight. You're putting on weight just so you can like make it through the season. You're trying to sustain. And I came in and in, in the first week, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have two or three weeks to kind of continue to get my weight up. Maybe I'll be 285, but I was not at a weight that like I would ever want to go into a season at. I went out there and just fought because I fought for the Giants. Like I fought for the locker room. I fought for like just just to be a part of the organization again. And was it my best football? No, but um, I went out there fighting my ass off and I went out swinging. And if, if I Shoot never would have played another game after the Buffalo Bills game, I would have slept like a baby every night knew and I gave everything I had to the organization and the fan base. And, and, you know, people can be mad, you know, Hey, there was later in the season, I didn't play my best football, but I went out there and I fought and I always continue to do that. And that's something that I can always stand on. So, and, and just last thing, Craig. So yeah. Justin, when we see you come to training camp, what will be your ideal weight that you'd like to be at? Come, if, uh, I'm, come if, I'm, if I'm rock solid 290, like if I'm as strong as I need to be at 290, 295, that's all I need to be. Perfect. I can't be 280 trying to put weight on while playing football. It's just not a math equation that pencils. Where are you now? What, where are you at now? So I'm 283 right now. So I'm just getting back into the gym. I'm putting, But I had to drop weight and start putting it on the right way. Because when I left the season, I'm eating not the best food all the time. Just trying to get the weight up. <laughs> Yep. So now I'm dropping it back down and I'm building up the right way. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go when I have the call. And I think what's really going to help me is in March having the conversation. Because at this point, the Giants know who I am. They know the number that gets the deal done. We either get it done or, or I'm still cheering for the Giants. I, you know, I probably – I don't want to say I would not play because obviously if a team threw a number – and when I say crazy number, I say crazy for me. I don't say like, pew, you're being aggressive. You think you're going to get Andrew Thomas money or – any starting hard money. What makes you happy? What What's going to get me out of bed and go play? What's going to make me leave, you know, my wife and my newborn daughter to move back to the East yeah. Coast and go out there and play? And that and that's what I mean. I don't want to – I'm not being greedy. Um, mm -hmm. I love the organization. So regardless if I'm on the field helping or if I'm off the field just representing, I'm cool with either one. Hey, uh, Craig, is a cool one. I just want to ask one more question. Yeah, I know go for it. I'm going to let him speed round and I'm going to let him go. So he doesn't want to hang out yeah. with us all night. So, no, so of course, man. I just wanted to ask this. I mean, you know, you talk about the continuity of the Giants' offensive line, and uh, you know, obviously, I want to be careful, you know, how we how we talk about this, but um, you know, the Giants over the past thirteen years have been one of the most injured teams in the NFL. Them and the Jets. Uh, I mean, do do you allude any of that to the turf? And you know, if so, I mean, would you just prefer to play on grass? 
Yeah, I think if you go back and I actually interviewed JC Treader, the the union president of the NFLPA, and they talk about like the the the, the field turf versus the grass. Grasses, there's a slight improvement on grass over turf. But the feasibility of also playing on grass, I know Philadelphia does it. That field gets beat up. Even in Arizona, you saw in the, in the Super Bowl a few years ago, the yep. grass does get beat up. Do I wish I could play on grass every single day? Yes. But you have to be realistic of the conditions in which we play in. So if you want to put a dome on MetLife and change that, yes. There's no way that John Mara and Steve Tish and the Tish family and Mara family are putting a turf on the field that's going to injure the players more. No one wants that. It's not good for business. When Aaron Rodgers went down week one, Woody Johnson would have paid any amount of money to get him back on the field, regardless of the turf. So clearly they're making the decision what they think is best for the players. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I played on it and I haven't had, you know, I, I tore my ACL in Seattle. <laughs> so it can happen anywhere, anytime. There's teams this year that are putting down turf that are putting down the same turf as the Giants. And people don't realize this. Players were coming out this year and like MetLife has to replace their turf. I think it was the Miami Dolphins player. They don't realize that the same turf that was there two years ago is a different turf than was there this year. Yep. People yeah, just changed this past year. Yeah. People yeah. are just associating MetLife with a, a, an injury turf. So maybe there's a psychological thing that guys have to get over. But uh, the, the, the organizations are going to put the best turf out there, in my opinion. Yeah, I do think – I think I will say I, I don't remember what it was. I do have the data somewhere. Prior to the turf being changed, there were only four teams. I want to say it was Minnesota. I want to say it was Giants, the Jets, and I'm drawing a blank on the fourth team. It'll come to me in a second. Um, dang, was it Cleveland? I can't remember who it was. There were four Congrats. teams. Saints. That? I think it was the Saints. Okay, yeah. Saints. That makes sense. And the Saints were all using that same type of field turf. Only four, and then they had eleven to thirteen teams using another type, and then another, and the rest of the NFL using another type. So to your point is, hey, look, if there was anything wrong with that turf, they changed it. Like they 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 went away from it because you guys are in, you know you're their investment. You're a you're an investment property. They're not going to leave shitty. Excuse my French, but they're not going to leave shitty turf on there if there's a an ounce of data that says, yeah, this is going to have ACLs popping like crazy. Guys, it's a $20 billion business, the NFL. If there was one stadium and one turf that they thought they could improve it tremendously, that was within, within reason. Like, we're not going to be able to, to, like in Arizona, take the field out, sun it, water it, put it back in. Like, we have to be realistic. We're in New Jersey, and there's weather, and there's different things. I think we have to be, you know, cognizant of the fact that, like, what's feasible, and, and we're doing the most we can with what we have. If the players want to have something different, then – we have to collectively bargain of that. And that's the business of the NFL. That's that's what I love the most about it. Sure. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. I'm going to do speed round with Justin because he doesn't want to hang out with us all night. Thanks for, I mean, there is a ton of you guys asking questions. Um, they're all extremely uh, po super positive about, you know, just you answering question. Agreed. Thank you. This was awesome. Great feedback from everybody, um, um, you know, jumping in here. I mean, just all great things to say. And I think most of the people... Even the fact that you just said, hey, I didn't play great football at the end, or hey, my weight wasn't right. The, <clears throat> the fact that you're being up and honest and an open book with these people, it's hard not to like you. You know what I mean? It's hard not to root for guys like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, like I, I was, I mean, it's crazy as it sounds. I was sitting on the couch, 275 pounds, watching the New York Giants, hoping they're beating the Seattle Seahawks on Monday Night Football. And then the next, the next week I'm signing and playing for them. So it was one of those things where like I was sitting in a lot of your shoes, like, I wish I could be a part of it and make a difference. And yeah. it was, it was a, a unique situation where I, I was able to. So like, 
I'm not out here trying, as you see, I'm not out here politicking for a, a new contract. I love the team. If they want me to be a part of it, I'm going to do everything in my power to do everything I can. And that's, that's all I, I love can it. do. All right, here we go. Speed round. All right. These are all just fun. Yeah, this is, uh, we've had McFadden on a couple times and, uh, I've gotten friendly with him a little bit and he'll be like, he'll be like, dude, he's like, half those questions. He's like, I don't even, I couldn't even answer him. He's like, I couldn't think fast enough. And I was like, I'm like, that's why we do it because it, it kind of shows you a different side of you. Right. Um, all right. You have a choice, not now, but starting your career again over tackle or guard. Tackle, left tackle. All right. Um, as a, that, this is actually one of my favorite ones. As a kid, and this is more about you, Spartan Mike, because you know what it's like growing up in Bucks. I got married in Bucks County, by the way, in New Hope. So yeah, my parents got married in New Hope. Beautiful, beautiful area. Yep, yep, that's where I that's where I got married in New Hope. Um, as a kid. The Dallas is playing the Giants. Who are you rooting for? As an Eagles fan growing up, Dallas is playing the Giants. Who do you root for? Who? That's a tough one. I probably would go. I mean, was I? How old was I? I don't know. Let's say, you're, let's say you're ten. I yeah. would. Go, I would go Dallas. My dad lived in Dallas when I was uh, when I was young, so I wasn't a Dallas Ooh. fan. But my dad lived in Dallas, so I probably would have cheered for Dallas. That's a good. That's a dang good answer. Mm. All right. Hardest player to block. Aaron Donald, next question. Yeah, right. No um, so I'm a, I'm a I'm a sucker for numbers. Numbers mean a lot to me, like numbers that I wore in college, numbers I wore in high school, marketability, all that stuff, right? Um, I tried to find anything past your middle school number. The only number thing I could find was 65 in middle school, and then of course 67 through uh you know, late uh, high school, college, and pros. One, I guess a double-edged question is, one, why 67? Two, how'd you get to 65? Like, I'll be like, like 65, and you were like, give me, just add two on and give me 67? You know what? 65 is my first year playing football. I didn't know what I was doing. I was always 13 in hockey growing up. It was like, I don't know if people think it's unlucky. People think it's lucky. I always rode with 13. And then when I got to high school is when I really decided, I'm like, oh, six plus seven. 67 and I just went with it. So or six plus seven, 13. I just went with yep. it from there. So that's how I ended up at 67. My rookie year, I was 72, not by choice. Brandon Mosley had 67. And then we made a little trade after my rookie year. Love it. Cause I did see a picture of you wearing 65, by the way, throw that one out. I got to delete that one. <laughs> <laughs> delete the evidence. Love it, man. All right. Worst stadium to play in, whether it's the turf, whether it's the fans, whether it's the weather, whatever. What's the worst stadium you've ever played at? New Orleans. I mean, just from like, I think there should be a foundation where every away stadium should have like a baseline. I remember New Orleans did make some renovations, but I remember having kiddie pools as hot tubs in the Metro or the Mercedes-Benz Dome. I think they just announced they're going to do like $500 million worth of renovations. It, it, it needs it. I would. It's funny because I bet, I bet a lot of players would say that because I've heard a ton of crummy things about about that stadium. All right. Uh, if they made a movie about your life, who plays you? Vince Vaughn. Tall guy, funny, goes on these little diatribes where he's like, he's like, why the hell? This guy won't shut up, but he ke I keep laughing because he's so stupid. That would be me. Dude, I got to come up now with a meme of Vince Vaughn and 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 the, the uh, Justin's voice doing the straight off the couch coming out. I'm totally making that. I can visualize that. I can visualize no, the I'm, I'm totally, He's I'm, a tall I'm guy. Totally, yep. 
I'm totally making that. I'm totally making a Vince Vaughn uh, meme with, with him saying yeah. the straight off the couch. All right. Uh, I don't know if you're a video game guy or not, but uh, Xbox or or, or uh, PlayStation? Xbox. Okay. Frank, I'm cutting you off. I'm adding in one bonus one right here. Justin, I got to ask one last Bucks County thing. Would you rather have a Bucks County country mansion like one of them ones up in New Hope or Newtown, or would you rather have a beautiful condo in New York City? Condo in New York City. I look at them every day on Zillow. I already know the ones I want. I just got to I gotta figure out a way to get back there. I might be going to get my master's in real estate development at NYU. So I've been looking at going back to NYU. Thanks. Um, All right. Awesome. New York's so expensive to live. Why don't you just live in like Hoboken or Weehawken or something? There's just, there's an energy, man. I just, I'm telling you, it's addictive. And I, I, I my friends will tell me like, you're an idiot. You don't want to live in New York City because like they took the subway and they had to step in homeless people shit. But like for me to be an athlete in New York City, yeah, I'm just, I, I, I can't describe it to anybody else. It's it just, I got, I, I, there's a reason why I came back and, and I left my wife and my pregnant wife in Arizona to come back and play one more year. It means that much to me. Love it. All right. Uh, favorite place to eat in New York since you, since, cause I noticed you got to have one, what uh, it's Carmine's or it's what's the favorite spot. So right now I got to give a shout out to Prince street pizza. It's my favorite pizza. It's like a thick Sicilian slice. It's right in Soho. Um, and then there's this place called uh, Four Charles. They have this this burger that's just insane. And me and my my, so I have this, been best friends with the same guys. We have an eight tattoo. And my last dinner before I left New York, we all went to dinner and had like a you know a, a crew night. And that's that place is unbelievable. Awesome. What was the name of it again? It's called Four Charles. Oh, and if, I will get killed if I don't say this. In Hoboken, Augustino's best Italian on planet Earth. I lived there for a while. Augustino's is my favorite. Christine, they're the best. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. By the way, shout out for Athlete Podcast Network, by the way. You guys should all check that out. Um, you're going to see, you know, he's going to have two of those condos in New York because he's working on a lot of business opportunities for players to have a voice. So, you know, um, and I'm assuming we'll, we've now we've cracked the cracked open a, a beer here with, with Justin. We'll have him back to learn more about it. But if you guys are looking into it, that's something he's working on the athletes pod net, uh, podcast network where, cause you already see how good he is. He's going to try to teach other guys to do the same thing he does, you know, so they have a voice. Um, all right. You're in a bar fight, which we hope you don't get in a bar fight. Uh, we've been you, in them. Yeah. I was going to say, if you're in a bar fight, who's the guy you want next to you? Who's the guy you want, you know, riding shotgun. I wouldn't have known this until this year. Dexter Lawrence, no questions asked. I probably you probably would have known it, but like Dexter Lawrence, are you kidding me? Give me that guy every day of the week, dude. He is. He is. His name's been called twice now on this podcast, if not three times, mm. right, Craig? I yep. think if you even question. asked Jason Kelsey, he would say, "Give me Dexter Lawrence in a bar fight." Like that. That, that guy is a monster. He he really is. He's and again, it's so surprising because like you know, remember when we when they drafted, we were like, we're not so sure, and something just clicked for that cat. You know, when I was in Arizona, we came back and we ran all over the Giants the the two times that we were here. And Dexter Lawrence was was playing, and he has done something in the last two or three years um, that's just completely taken him to another level. Yeah, I think he misses Leo. I'd like Leo to come back. I thought they were good together. Um, all right, so this one's going to be test test your uh, your your sports um, patronage. Um, Phillies Yankees. Yankees. I got to throw the first pitch for the Yankees. Come on now. Dude, I like to realize that. that. Like, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I like this guy more and more every time because I'm waiting for him to have like, ah, oh, 
I have one though. I know what he likes. I got one left. Um, uh, Flyers, uh, Rangers. Rangers had me sitting right right against the glass. I, I know. I know. Uh, you know. I've gone to all the Knicks games. I, I'm I'm Rangers Knicks all over all the Philly sports because like when I would go home, the Philly the Philly fans would boo me. They would do Eagles chants when I was going out to dinner with my mom. And I love Philadelphia. I love where I'm from. I love the food of Philadelphia. It's part of who I am. But New York City embraced me as one of their own. I got to throw out the first pitch with CC Sabathia. I got to sit on the glass and, and, and rinkside and watch the Rangers play. How can you not cheer for those teams? They're, they're wow. family to me. Damn. God, this guy's got to come back. I love this yeah, guy. Really. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> he can say no wrong. I mean, it's like, it's perfect. Um, I do know one thing in Philadelphia that you love more than anything, and that's Wawa. Oh, God. Come on. No soft pretzels from Wawa? Which ones? Kidding? The stuffed ones or the ones that are in the plastic bags? No, the ones that are in the plastic bags that like have so many bad things in them that you probably like <laughs> don't want to know the ingredients. Yep. But all, I mean, Philadelphia has some great food. I will say my favorite cheesesteak and pizza is also in Philadelphia. So that's something you guys can knock me for. Angelo's. No. Angelo's, Angelo's, yeah. Angelo's is. Yep. You, no, it's, it's, you have to. You they'll have to make you wait the on the street and like kiss the ground of the floor, man. It's cash only, and you're standing there like they do not care about your customer service, but it is nope. damn good. Yeah. No, and I and I live in South Jersey, outside of Philadelphia. And before I met these guys, you know, when I was in my twenties, I worked for the Eagles Broadcasting Network. So like I was with Mike Quick and Merrill Reese, and I was doing I, that. Was my first. That was like my second job out of college. So all I knew. Because you know, South Jersey's an extension of Philly. North mm-hmm. Jersey's an extension of New York. I, and and down here, and I've been here now for twenty something years. I get people like, "How did? How come you didn't switch teams?" I'm like, "Look, one, you don't pick your parents, right? So you you, you root for you who you root for. Your parents root for. My dad's had season tickets since 1968. I've only missed seven games since 1984. I'm like, you know, so." I'm in the stadium. I'm never going to, because my geographical area changed, I'm not going to just abandon my team. You know, there's one thing I'm not getting paid to play there. Again, I've got my, my good friend's son got drafted Yankee fan, right? His nephew got drafted by the Red Sox. He's a Red Sox fan. Now I want Spartan. I've told you this before, like being from Jersey, you're rooting for Syracuse, maybe Penn state Rutgers, Right. Yeah, I'm rooting. I'm rooting Spartan all the way because my daughter plays there, right? So, but but my pro team, if I played and got paid to play somewhere, it's different than than just changing your team, right? Wawa is unbeatable. Okay, a guy who grew up at Seven Eleven, there's no there's no comparison. There is no comparison, but it's it's some you know the food. I I got to give Philly their props. Philly knows how to do food too. So the Northeast in general is good food. All right. So last question of the, of the night is, again, my friend Anthony, who is a chef, who is an amazing chef. I think he, uh, he, uh, he's the chef for the Red Bulls and a lot of other great events that they, that, they, uh, that they cater. His wife was so excited that you were coming on. She's like, I'm going to tune in. I can't wait to see him. She wants to know, and this is completely like out of left field, but I'm going to put it up here, right? There it is. Shoes for Michelle. She wants to know what the type she, she loves shoes. She said, ask Justin what his favorite type of shoes are. So if you're going out, do you have a favorite? Oh, for me, for yes. me to wear. You. So I, I'll go, um, I'll go classics. Like I'll go some low dunks. If I'm going out like to a restaurant, I'll wear either a pair of Nike dunks, but I also will wear, I'm, I'm not much of a designer shoe guy because it, 
it crushes my feet. I got a, a wide foot. There's this Goodman brand, and it's actually I think it's Russell Wilson somehow associated with. They make a great leather shoe. It's like a nice with just a dress, like pair of jeans or something like that. There, there you go, Michelle. I asked, my, I asked him, and, and he delivered. Um, all right, guys. So you uh, of all, I mean, guys, great questions. Thanks for all tuning in. You know this will be on, uh, you know, Amazon Music in the morning, and it'll be on Apple Pods and Spotify. It'll be on YouTube. We'll send out a bunch of clips. So you guys can get excited about it. Um, okay, last question is, can I get you back on before camp to just let us know what your updates are? Yeah, 100%. As, as free agency is ticking on and, and, and we're progressing, I'll definitely come back on. And I would even say any questions out there that weren't answered tonight, just fire them off on, on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it. Yeah. Tag all the guys and, and, and I'll get back to as many as I can. I'm sitting up no. on some nights. Feeding my daughter and and hanging out, so I got time. Yep, net net worth with, with Justin Pugh. Make sure you tune in for Athlete Podcast Network that he's working on behind the scenes. And and for what it's worth, folks out there, you want a guy like this on the team, Chris. You and I have talked about it. You when you weigh your options, you'd rather have him than not. Listen, Whether we say you can, you cannot have enough edge rushers, right? We can't have enough, you know, guards, tackles. I mean, Justin, we gotta we, we, we gotta have him back. Yeah, like you gotta have him back. at the end of the day, there's two guys on the roster that haven't been able to be healthy and to contribute. Well, this yeah. guy only comes off the couch and contributes. I, as far as I see, Ju out. Justin's a two for one. He's going to be a player. He's also going to be Brasillo's assistant. He's already a coach in the making. Like he's Brasillo's assistant. Love it, Justin. <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you guys next Monday. Um, I don't have an interview for next Monday unless something good happens, but we'll still hang out. Uh, Spartan Mike and uh, and Michael Stewart, the truth. Uh, what are you guys talking? We got the offensive line. We're going to break down the top linemen in the NFL draft, and Chris is going to be joining us this Sunday uh, for the episode. Justin, who do you want to draft at six? Are you allowed to tell me that, or is that is that too far? You got to go best available. You know, obviously there's, you know, people are saying quarterback. I don't think quarterback. I would trade back and get more picks if I had the ability. I like, you know, there's no one that's sticking up. I, I wouldn't, I mean, receiver, yeah. Tackle. I don't like taking a tackle unless like I, I, I really know what I'm getting because you're just gonna put a lot of pressure on that kid. I like in free agency Michael Owenu from from New England. I think he's playing on the right side. I like him. Jermaine Elmanor. Elmanor. He's played he's played right tackle. You have to bring bring back Ben Bredesen. He is my like marquee. He's got to come back. Mm. Um and then I, I like that line right there. Then I can slide in there somewhere. I can I can fight for a spot. Um you know, you have Evan Neal coming back. You got Andrew Thomas, JMS. Make this whole thing go. Receiver at six. Look, if it's there, I mean, I'm also obviously playing for my for my Cardinals over here too. I think they're going to take the best guy on the board. If they're at four, they're going to definitely take Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, yeah. So at that point, you get into some, somewhat of a crapshoot. Like I'm thinking, like, what if you want like six and maybe a second? What what do you have to give up to get Justin Jefferson? What are those like those pick? evaluators like that value oh, them because they're, they're slotted yeah it's got certain type of dollar mm -hmm. attached to that yep that's like way above my pay grade Justin. or or there's uh i saw something about Jalen waddle today miami's not about to pay not going to pay them i think the most important piece to get obviously going out and some signing some free agents on the offensive line but getting another closer at ed, 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 edge rusher like pairing another guy you have thibodeau give me another guy like i'm almost trading for Josh Allen, Jaguars, Josh Allen, or Danielle Hunter from the Vikings, trying to get another guy in the building. Um, the Giants have won all their Super Bowls through the defensive line. Like, give me eight bona fide starters across the, the defensive line. By the way, as you can see back here, you were doing your arrows before. 
the, the podcast is named after the four Super Bowls Giants rush because we win Super Bowls when we have a pass rush. So with, with that said, uh, that's Justin Pugh. You got Chris. You got Spartan Mike. Um, I'll see you guys next Monday. He's going to do O-line. We'll make sure we keep in touch with Justin. Bang. You guys have a great night. Peace, guys. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Boom.